Frankie, come. Frankie, come. Come on. Good boy. Good boy. Sit. Good boy. Stay. How about you? Can you come sit and stay for the next 30 minutes? This is Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. Good boy, Frankie. Hello there and welcome to the March 15th, 2019 edition of Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. I'm Devin from Canada. We're going to do things a little bit differently this month because I have three very time-sensitive announcements that I need to pass along to you. And uh, then I have an interview, and if and when we can, we'll slip in some music. All three of these announcements are about what are being called guide dog camps. The first one reads, Save the Date for AdvoCamp 2019. We're excited to announce CNIB Guide Dog's first ever Guide Dog AdvoCamp. And I'll just pause here for a moment to say that CNIB is Canadian National Institute for the Blind. Carrying on now. Join us May 31st to June 2nd at beautiful Lake Joe in Muskoka for a weekend of learning, networking, and fun with other guide dog teams. Registration is free, but space will be limited. Subsidies for transportation may be available upon request. Mark the dates in your calendar and stay tuned for more details in the coming weeks. See you there. The next one comes to us from Leader Dogs. Leader Dogs Summer Experience Camp, making teens unstoppable. Application deadline March 31st, 2019. Summer Experience Camp is a week of outdoor fun, friendship, and skill building. The program combines activities like rock wall climbing and tandem biking with leadership building ex exercises and things exclusively leader dog. GPS training and spending time with leader dogs in training. The combination helps increase independent travel skills, interpersonal skills, and leadership skills. The free program is for boys and girls ages 16 and 17 who are legally blind. Leader Dog covers all costs, including airfare to Michigan, and everyone receives a free human wear Victor Reader Trek GPS device. The 2019 camp dates are June 22nd to June 29th. Applications are due by March 31st, 
2019. You can view a Fox sport clip about camp, read camper stories, and download an application form at leaderdog.org. And the third announcement is Camp GDB. Don't miss out. Application deadline to apply is April 1st, 2019. Guide Dogs for the Blind, GDB, recognizes that the human-animal bond is unique and life-changing. We want to give teens with visual impairments the opportunity to experience its potential. Participants at Camp GDB will explore the companionship, independence, and responsibility of the guide dog mobility lifestyle. During their stay, campers will receive hands-on guide dog instruction with an emphasis on understanding the specific orientation and mobility skills required to be a successful guide dog handler, as well as the fitness and endurance necessary for guide dog travel. They will have mentoring opportunities with successful guide dog users and will also learn all about GDB and the communities of support that enhance our programs. Don't forget about the very popular dog overnight experience. Kayaking, campfires, swimming, sensory garden, new friendships that await you, and much more. Camp is being held June 23rd to 28th at the Oral Hull and Retreat Center for the Blind, just a couple of miles from our Oregon campus. Camp is free to teens ages 14 to 17, and we can assist with travel costs as well. We still have eight spots remaining, so apply now. You can visit our camp page for more information and to apply at www.guidedogs.org slash campgdb. All right, those are our announcements. Let's hear a song whose author, unfortunately, I do not know, but it's called I Bet We Can Write a Song About That. And then we'll go right into our interview with Keith McGregor from Leader Dogs, who will talk to us about the program for clients who are deafblind. Albert is a blind man with a dog. The doggy is his best friend. What a dog. It travels with him everywhere by his side. 
on the ground or in the air because he's blind. He's had the retriever ever since it was a puppy. It's a guide dog. Now Albert's on an airplane with his dog. They're taking U.S. Airways, a flying dog. The flight's delayed two hours, a restless dog. That's orders from the tower because of fog. Doxy the retriever's getting bored with all the waiting. She's a guide dog. The flight attendant said your dog had better sit tight or else the captain told us to throw you off this flight. We can't allow a dog to run up and down the aisle. The passengers said, hey, why all the fuss? If you throw them off, we'll all just take the bus. So they all took the bus to New York, 150 miles. If you're on an airline, U.S. Air. And like Albert, if you're blind, they don't care. If your plane is sitting still in the fog, just give your dog some Benadryl. Andrea would. If he's sleeping on the floor, then everybody's happy with your guide dog. Good dog. Sleepy dog. Guide dog. To begin with, uh, Keith, thank you very much for being on the program with us. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm, you know, always excited to talk about our programs here at Leader Dogs. So can you begin maybe by telling us just a brief history about where, when uh, Leader Dogs uh, began? Yes. Um, Leader Dogs was started by um, a group of three Detroit area Lions Club members, so it's Lions, the service club organization, and they started Leader Dogs in 1939, and uh, since then we have um, grown quite a bit and keep adding new programs, which is very exciting for us, um, so that's that's how we started. Okay, and uh, now you're the, uh, as well as being the uh, director of uh, trainers or training. Uh, you're also the uh, director of the program for deaf-blind guide dog handlers. When did that pro? When was that program established? Well, th- we separated the program. I started working with clients who had a dual uh, loss, so hearing and, and visual impairment, um, back in the um, early '80s, um, and then. We actually separated the program out in the early 90s, and Leader Dog sent me to college to take sign language courses um, so I could become fluent in American Sign Language, and so the program actually officially started in 1991. So now when we're talking about sign language, are you talking about the hand-over-hand sign language? Well, we use different forms of sign language with our clients based on what their desired method of communication is. So some of our clients still have remaining vision, and they might be a visual signer. So we can use the visual sign language at a a close range or at a distance. And then some of our clients are uh, what we call tracking. They hold your wrist, so they're your hands are in front of their face when you're signing to them. And then the others are tactile, so they have both of their hands over top of our hands, 
and they're feeling the sign language as we're signing to them. Wow, that uh, must have taken quite a bit of uh, training on your part. Well, I'm, I'm always learning. You know, I learn something from every client that, that we work with here. And, you know, I've gained quite a bit of knowledge about the culture and about um, the needs of the deafblind clients. Um, but, but we're always improving and learning more and more. Um, for instance, the newer technique of sign language is called the haptic signs, where there's information being given on the client's back. Oh. So it's not actually American Sign Language, but it's environmental information um, being given on their back. So if somebody's walking out of the room, then you can imitate that across the person's back. Wow. It has come a long way since the days of Helen Keller. It sure has, yes. But that was a, you know, she was a great inspiration for the, the community and the, and the deafblind clients who are very independent people. Definitely. And speaking of Helen Keller, who ended up uh, as a child with no vision and no hearing, are you able to work with clients that have none of uh, either sense? Absolutely. You know, the, the requirements are the same as far as independent travel. So they have to have orientation mobility skills. They have to be able to travel with a cane and know their environment and some people you know travel on the same routes every day which is fine as long as they get out and walk and and they're able to understand you know what street names and things like that are um and you know they need a method to cross the streets which is the most difficult part for for someone who can't see or hear yes sometimes they have pedestrian push buttons which will vibrate to let them know that the light is in their favor and if they don't have that then sometimes they'll hold up a crossing card so it's a card that is fairly large that says I am deafblind please assist me with crossing the street and they need to wait for a pedestrian to help them out so there are methods to to be able to cross streets and um, our clients have to have some of those things developed before they apply to get a dog from us. That's interesting. I was going to ask you about that because uh, listening, for those of us that have hearing, listening uh, to the direction of the traffic is very important. It is, and, you know, unfortunately our dogs can't judge that the traffic speed and things like that, so they can't inform the person when to cross as as you know, um, and so the, the deafblind clients have developed other methods, and they're reliable methods, um, and typically they're very safe. Terrific. How, um, is there a difficulty in establishing a, a relationship between someone who is deafblind and a dog? There can be, yes, that's a great question. And, you know, obviously if the person is not verbal, so some, some clients don't use their voice, um, then it can be a, a little bit of a difficulty building that relationship. But we teach them how to do that with the use of some positive reinforcement, whether it's a food or toy or play. 
um, petting. So all of those things are very important to build that relationship. That's great. And how do you uh, teach a, a client who is uh, deafblind to take a, a dog out to do its um, business? How, how do you get them, if they don't have vocal or speech skills, how do you uh, get them to relate to the dog that that's what you want the dog to do? Sure. We, we try to establish the, the dog's bathroom spot, and then that's before we give the client the dog. And then we show that client where to take the dog to relieve itself. And the client will make a longer leash so the dog has more room to relieve itself. And then they just have to feel where the dog is going. And if the dog is moving back and forth, then they can feel that. And then if the dog stops, then they typically will just kind of follow the leash down and touch the dog's back to see if it's squatting or um, going to the bathroom. Right. And, of course, if the dog is going to the bathroom, they can typically smell that so they kind of know, um, you know, that the dog has gone. And then they feel around. They put a bag on their hand, and they feel around on the ground uh, for the waist, and then they pick it up and turn the bag inside out. Just like uh, anyone with a guide dog would. That's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. When you do classes with uh, someone, uh, people who are deafblind, do you do uh, several at a, at a time, or, or do you do one-on-one, and do they come to the school, or do you do home training? Well, well interestingly enough, we've tried a few different uh, ways to do that. Initially, we only brought one person in at a time, but... They were very isolated when the instructor wasn't there to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started to bring more more clients in together. So now we have two full-time instructors that know sign language. One is a certified interpreter, um, and then plus myself. So typically we'll bring between four and six clients in two leader dogs at the same time. Wow. That's good. Just like a regular small class. Exactly, right. But we have, um, with our typical instructor for the um, regular class would be, um, have four clients each. Um, for the deafblind class, they would have only two clients each. Oh, yes. So it's, it's a lot more physically demanding when you're um, doing tactile sign language, and it's also mentally demanding because you're interpreting what's what you are saying and what's being said back to you. Right, yes. Uh, do you ever um, merge uh, a class of clients who are deafblind with a, a class uh, of clients who are just blind? We, we have, and we do that, but um, over the past, I would say, three years, we've had separate classes. We've had enough um, of... Uh, break period between the, the big classes to have our own deafblind class. And it seems to work better just because um, nobody's bumping into anyone else um, and the people are able to communicate with each other a little bit a little bit better. Now, tomorrow, we, the deafblind instructors and myself, we're flying down 
Florida because we have a warm weather training in Florida. Wow. We have six clients who are deafblind coming to Florida, and we're going to train them in a nice warm environment uh, because it's easier to communicate in a warm environment uh, without gloves and things like that. Yes. And then, and then we're going to send those clients home, and then we're going to go visit them in their homes to make sure that they're doing well with Terrific. their dogs. Terrific. That's great. Do you do this every year? We do. Um, it's not always a deaf-blind group. Sometimes it's um, other clients that uh, live in warm climates or that can't really um, handle cold clients or cold climates. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we have done this for about um, seven years. We've gone down to Florida and worked out of a hotel. Wonderful. That's great. Do you have any statistics on how many clients who are deafblind that you might have in the United States, for example? I'm going to say right now we have approximately 60 active clients who are deafblind in all over the United States. Okay. And a lot of those clients have come back for successor dogs. So we've seen them uh, more than once or twice or three times. Oh, wonderful. Do you have any clients from other countries? We do not have any clients who are deaf and from other, well, I should say from Canada we do, yes. Um, we have actually, I believe, three in Canada. Okay. Um, but not from any other foreign-speaking countries. Ah, right. Okay. Oh, yes, because then you, you yourself and the other instructor would have the additional challenge of having to learn another language. That's right, because <laughs> sign language is not universal. Right. That's so right. It's very similar, but it's not, not the same around the world. Right. Okay. Uh, I never thought of that till I asked that question. <laughs> um what, uh, uh, you know, rubella is, uh, um, or German measles, as uh, we used to call it, is uh, not all that common in pregnancy now, which was a major cause of, uh, of deaf blindness. What are the uh, major causes of deaf blindness these days? Well, really the one main uh, syndrome is called Usher's syndrome. And there are usher, there's ushers one, ushers two, and ushers three. Oh wow! And it's a genetic um, disorder that um, if it's ushers one, someone is born profoundly deaf, and then they, later in life they develop retinitis pigmentosa. Um, ushers two, someone is born uh, severely hard of hearing, um, and then develops retinitis pigmentosa. Um, typically. They learn sign language a little bit later in life because they they have some hearing. Um, and then ushers three is more rare, where someone would be born with normal hearing and later in life uh, lose their hearing and their vision. Oh wow! And do you get many people who are born both deaf and blind these days? Um, you know, I would say. Uh, probably not totally deafblind uh, at, at birth, but for sure um, as they 
as they get older, then they are losing their vision um, uh, more frequently, you know, as in their 20s and 30s. Ah. Now, uh, Leader does, uh, has the, your deafblind uh, training program. Do you do any other dual purpose? Uh, do you train any other dual purpose dogs? You know, we do some uh, balanced dogs. So if someone has really poor balance, then we would um, train someone for that. Or train a dog on the right if someone had a left side impairment. Um, but other than that, we, we really don't. We, we deal with a lot of foreign people from foreign countries, but they're, they're hearing blind. And they have interpreters that come with them. Uh, so we work with Spain and um, Central and South America as well. Um, so typically, I would say probably, I'm going to guess at about 50 clients a year are from foreign countries. Okay. Now, with the deafblind program, about four years ago, we began dual training the dogs. So not only do they guide but uh, depending on the client's desire, then they can also alert them when someone's at their door or when an alarm clock is ringing or when their kitchen timer is ringing. So we can train the dog to respond to different noises inside the house. Wow, how handy is that? Yeah, the primary goal for the dogs is to guide, obviously, because that's life and death, and we want to make sure those behaviors are very solid mm -hmm. but but we've uh, really enjoyed expanding that program and into the dual training uh, for the hearing behaviors as well terrific is the application for someone who is deafblind in order to get a dog is that a, a longer uh, wait well you know the the application process is the same but the time frame to come in and get a dog can be a little bit longer, but it's not it's not much longer. So typically, a client would be able to apply to get a dog from us, and you know, a hearing blind client would be able to come in um, in about three months. I would say is the maximum wait uh, for the deaf blind program. It might be six months mm -hmm. because we only have two classes every year. Okay. All that, and then a lot of the rest of the time you would uh, use to uh, do aftercare with um, graduates. That's right. And, you know, and the dual training, so it takes a little bit longer to train the dogs. Oh, yes. Yes, it would, yeah. Mm -hmm. right. All right. Is there anything else that uh, I should uh, have been asking you about the program? Well, you know, all of our programs are free of charge, which um, I think is important for people to, to know. Um, we pay the, the people's transportation here, pay for everything while they're here, and then, you know, obviously get them home. And then they take over the care of the dog, the expenses of that. Um, people have to be 16 years or older. Uh, they have to have independent travel and independent routes before they apply to get a dog from us. Um, they have to be able to financially care for a dog. And it's also important for, 
for people to know that dogs, you know, guide dogs are not for everyone. Um, you know, we do have people that are interested in finding out and learning more about guide dogs, but then they choose not to come in, which is okay. And it's a very personal choice, isn't it? That's right. And, you know, we're here to provide information if anyone is interested. Do you have the website uh, handy if people want uh, further information? Yes, I do. Um, so our website is leaderdog.org. So L-E-A-D-E-R-D-O-G. All right. Well, although people who are deafblind may not actually hear this interview, hopefully people who know those who are deafblind and might be interested in the dog will hear of it and uh, let the potential client know. Exactly. That's right. It's about family and support, friends and um people that that help out so that hopefully someone will hear it and spread the word yes and thanks so much for uh, chatting with me well thank you well believe it or not our half hour has come to an end thank you so much for listening and i'll see you again on friday april 19th bye for now